0: Welcome to The Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Praise for what he's doing. And we talked about how God is writing our story. Hebrews chapter 12 says, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, he's writing our story. And if you're here and you're like, Matt, I don't feel like I'm perfect. I don't feel like I'm doing very well. Guess what? That just means that God is not done yet with your story. He is still perfecting you and he will to completion till the end of our lives. And today we're starting a brand new series, a brand new three week series. I've been excited about this for a while. We get to go kind of in depth in scripture and looking at some stories and some patterns in the Bible. This three-week series is going to be called Patterns. There are patterns between the stories from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the story of Adam to Jesus. The authors of the Bible desired to reveal patterns throughout the Word of God. When the authors wrote different portions of the Bible, different books of the Bible, they were intentionally pointing out promise-shaped patterns. So we're going to look at just a few of the many patterns in the Bible over the next three weeks. And and, and we see that there are are patterns, just like there are patterns in the Bible, there are patterns and habits and tendencies in our life, right? Some of us are, we're people of habits. We go to the same coffee shop, we sit in the same chair, we do these same things. Patterns can be good things. Patterns can also be bad things. They can be things that hurt us, that we stay stuck in. How do we get out of bad habits? Habits, bad patterns. So today we're going to focus on one of the mistakes uh, of one of the, the great men in the, in the Old Testament. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 looking at the story of the sister fib. That's today's message, the sister fib. Maybe you've heard that story, maybe that makes sense to you. If not, don't worry, we're going to explain it today. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12. If you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can pull up your notes. We've got sermon notes there and on the Church Center app for you. We're going to be following the story of Abraham, the man of God who we know he came from the line of Noah. He came from Shem. He was a godly man. God directed him to leave his family without telling him where he was going to lead him. Maybe you're familiar with that, where he he left his family, he left everything he knew with no ideas of where God was taking him. But even Abraham, or Abram, even he had issues and struggles, and he makes a mistake here in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 10. This is what it says. It says, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say, You are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. Let's stop there for a minute. Do we understand now why today it's called the sister fib, right? Abram and Sarai, they've journeyed into Egypt to survive a famine. And Abram comes up with this this strategy of protection because he was afraid the men of Egypt would see his wife and they would want to kill him in order that they could have her for themselves. And, And it says that Sarai was very beautiful. This word beautiful in Hebrew, it's the first time that you see the, that word there for beautiful or handsome. It would later be used to describe other people such as uh, Rebecca, or I'm sorry, Rachel, Joseph, David, Esther, so on and so forth. And, and so I want to make sure you all know, if you're sitting here like, how can God use me? I'm too beautiful. God uses beautiful people like all of you. I just want you to know that. I want you to be aware of that. And while Abram had this plan... He apparently was thinking, he knew that they would notice Sarai, but Abram's plan was wrong for a number of different reasons. Uh, We could take time to to pick this story apart and see how many different ways that Abram messed up. First of all, Abram has just followed God, leading him in the wilderness. He's trusted in God, and yet he gets to Egypt and he doesn't trust in God anymore. He's focusing on his own plan. Not only that, but Abram is telling a half-lie, saying that Sarai is his sister. It was his half-sister. I know that sounds weird, and culturally, it was acceptable back then. We don't do that now, okay? I just so you know that. All these different problems are, are stacking up, but I want to point out specifically what Abram did that hurt him the most, this, this pattern that we see in the rest of the stories. Look at Genesis twelve thirteen again. He said to them, He said to Sarai, say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, that my life may be spared for your sake. I want to start this morning at looking at the patterns, and this is one of the deadliest patterns we can get into. Number one, it's the pattern of selfishness. Abram was focused on what would go well for himself, focusing on his life Being protected because of Sarai going to the house of Pharaoh. And and that translation, it says there in verse 13, it also says it again in 16, it says, for your sake. I thought, well, maybe he was doing all these things because he's courageous and he's protecting Sarai. No, no, that's not what that means. It means, on behalf of what you've done, I will be safe. That is what he was saying. From the beginning of time, selfishness. Has been ingrained in humanity. We we know that selfishness is a sin, but I actually want to twist that around and say that, define sin as selfishness. Any sin that you think about, any any sin, anything that we deal with, it's because of what? Because we're selfish. We want things our way. If you want to test how selfish you are, get married. You'll find out very fast. It goes from what I want to do, how I want to spend my time, how I want to spend my money, to what do we want to do together? How do we want to spend our time? How do we want to spend our money? We can see selfishness at any age. There's no limit to when selfishness takes place in our hearts. You can see it from a child wanting to use that toy. No one else use it. But if we're not careful, as we grow older, that selfishness may not leave if we aren't careful and mindful of our selfishness. We've all been around people that are self-absorbed, thinking about themselves, talking about themselves all the time. It's like, do you ever get tired of yourself? Do you ever get tired of talking about, I'm glad you have all these work achievements. I'm glad that your son's becoming a doctor. I'm glad about all those things, but can we talk about something else other than yourself? We know in any relationship, a conversation, it's two-way, right? Sometimes I've done it myself. I've been like, wow, I've been talking about myself way too long. I'm so sorry. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? How can I be thinking about you? Paul explains it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Paul is saying with selfishness there's actually it's twofold. You can be selfish in your action. He says do nothing from selfish from selfish ambition. But it's not just actions that can be selfish. The second part he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests. Meaning what you think about is where it starts with your selfishness. And sometimes we can do the right thing. We can do the right action, say the right thing, but for a selfish reason, right? We, we could say, oh, you, you look great today. That scarf looks so good on you because you're like, please give me a comp- compliment back. I I'm, I need one. I need you to say something nice about me. I'll do this nice chore for you. I'll do a nice thing for you so that I get something back in return. It's funny. I was thinking about earlier this year it was my birthday and Shanna and I, we usually don't give big gifts for each other. We don't go all out for that type of thing. But she surprised me with an Xbox to play a Star Wars game. Be honest with you guys, sometimes your pastor plays a little bit of Xbox. Okay, not a lot, but occasionally I'll play a little Xbox. And I was i was blessed. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, thank you for this. And then a couple months later, it's her birthday. And I'm like, "What? Is there anything that you want for your birthday? And she's like, I don't know, just maybe like a laptop or something. I was like, wait a second. Did you get me that Xbox because you wanted a laptop a few months later? No, no, that's not what happened, right? But if we're not careful, there are times where we can try to selfishly manipulate situations to make them better for ourselves. And we mask it by saying, oh, I did the right thing. Yeah, but God knows your heart. He knows your intents and your desires. Earlier this year, I'm sorry, I just passed that. We can't stop selfish patterns without the recognition that they're having a hold on us. The way that Paul explains us to get past that, he says in 2 Corinthians ten five, he says, "...we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ." We can't get through selfishness on our own. We need to take every thought captive. We're not victims to our thoughts. We can't have a victim mentality. We have to take every selfish thought captive and say, no, I don't think that way anymore. I'm a child of God. No, I don't live for myself anymore. I live for God. I'm a new creation, so I put others before myself. And I know God's going to take care of me. He's not going to leave me hanging. Abram put Sarai in a compromising position in order to protect himself. He's not thinking about her. He only thought about himself and his own safety. And I'll paraphrase what happens next. But as a result of Abram's selfishness, Sarai is now in the house of Pharaoh. And God causes great plagues to come upon the Pharaoh's house. And Pharaoh realizes, this is because Sarai's in my house, and he gives her back to Abram. A little further on in the story, Abram now becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. They've now been promised the birth of their son. And they're journeying again. And this is what happens in Genesis chapter 20. Read the first two verses. It says, From there Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar, And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Are you seeing a pattern here? Abraham goes into another country. And despite the past experience he's had with Pharaoh in Egypt, he does the exact same thing. And we sit here as armchair quarterbacks and we say, how stupid can you be, Abraham? How could you do the same mistake twice? We would never, never in a million years would I make the same mistake twice. Is that true? We get into patterns. That's what Abraham did in this conflict. He panicked in the situation and he lied and he caused another problem with another nation. This time, God speaks to Abimelech in a dream. And he commands him to give Sarah back to Abraham. And this is what happens. Read verse 8 with me. Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me these things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? This is what Abraham said. He said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. The second pattern I want to explain to you, I want to show you is the pattern of excuses. The pattern of excuses. Abraham's excuse is that he thought there was no fear of God in this place, so he put his trust in his own plan and lied again to protect himself. We have to be careful to make excuses for the decisions that we make in life. I, I know it's easier to make a, an excuse than it is to do the right thing. Doing the right thing is hard, it, it's easier to lie than to tell someone the hard truth it's easier to follow along with the peer pressure and the society and the cultural norms that we have than to stick up for the gospel. But friends, I hope you're aware of the climate of where we're at right now. It is going to become more and more unpopular to follow Jesus. But that does not give us a license to do what is wrong. There is never, sin is never the answer in a situation. And it's interesting that the excuse Abraham uses is that that he he didn't think there was any fear of God in the place. Abraham blamed that place and their lack of fear when in actuality it was his lack of fear that caused him to choose in his own plan instead of God's protection. We get into these these patterns and these habits of blaming other people when things go wrong. One of the worst things we can do in a situation is, is blame a pattern blame someone else looking for someone or something else to take it out on if we're not careful we can spend years of our lives making excuses saying i didn't i didn't do well in school that teacher just didn't like me it's not working out at my job the boss just has it out for me things aren't going well in my my, my marriage i'm not getting the support that i want i grew up in a poor family i don't i just too many things going on in my life i don't have time to read the bible Too many things going on. I don't have time to pray. I get get anxious when I'm around people. I I don't want to be at church. I get anxious. We can make up all kinds of excuses. So the speaker and author, Joyce Meyer, she said, Don't give in to excuses that can keep you from living the best life God has for you. Excuses. Take no responsibility. It disempowers God from working in your life. We believe there's power in our words to each other, right? And so when we keep saying, I can't do this, I'm not able to do this, I won't be able to do this, you are limiting what God is willing to do in your life. Benjamin Franklin said it this way. He said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. We cannot allow excuses and blame to take us away from the path that God has planned for us. He will protect you because he is a God of his promises. We sang that today. He is the God of the promise. The wisdom that he wants to give you in all seasons, don't limit that capacity with excuses. So again, just as the time before Abraham receives back his wife, God does not allow any harm to come to them after Pharaoh or Abimelech. And now Abraham and Sarah, they they settle again. They go somewhere else, they move, and they have birth to their son Isaac, the one through whom the rest of the descendancy of Israel would eventually come. And Isaac grows up and he marries a woman named Rebekah. And they now are journeying on one day. And look at what happens in Genesis chapter 26, verses 6 and 7. It says, so Isaac settled in Gerar when the men of the place asked him about his wife. He said, she is my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. Now, after Abraham has done the same thing twice, his son has followed in the exact same pattern. The last pattern I want to talk about, number three, the pattern of generations. Isaac has followed in the sins and the tendencies of his father by choosing the same situation, choosing the same path of deception and protecting himself instead of his wife. You know, our background, our family history, it plays a large part in the mistakes and the sins that we are vulnerable to make. You've probably heard of the terms such as the sins of a father on a son. You've heard the phrase, a generational curse. And I want to be very clear here. The Bible does not teach that we are bound by things as generational curses if we are in Jesus Christ, because he is greater than those. But what happens is oftentimes the sins of the father... They're found in the children because those sins have been nurtured in that environment and they've been patterned by a previous generation. But take heart because even if you grew up in the most damaging environment, God is greater than your upbringing. God is greater than your family history. And I want to show you where it says that in Ezekiel chapter 18. In Ezekiel, the prophet is talking about A terrible father. He's made so many mistakes. He's cheated. He's lied. He's worshipped false idols. He has no desires to turn back to God. And it says, What will happen to the son because of that? Ezekiel says, Suppose a son sees the sins of his father, and though he sees them, he does not do them. He's not going to die. He will live. It's possible to see the pattern, to see the example, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, choose to turn away from those things. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's not hard from time to time. There are examples of people that say, well, my parents struggled with alcohol, so I'm just always going to struggle with that. My parents had depression. They had high anxiety, high stress. I'm always going to have those issues in my life. They, they say, my marriage. I, I saw my parents' marriage fall apart, so I, mine's probably going to fall too. When you live in those things, then you will see out what you speak out. But through Jesus, we have the power to live through him. Worship team, come up as we close. Let me show you exactly what Ezekiel 18 says, verse 19 and 20. It says, yet you say, why should not the son suffer for the iniquity of the father? When the Son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes, He shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The Son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the Father, nor the Father suffer for the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon Himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon Himself. When you do what is right and you follow the righteousness of God, you will live. You don't have to live bound by the patterns of the previous generation. You will not be taken down by that pattern of your upbringing. Whether you had the greatest upbringing or the worst upbringing, terrible things have happened to you or incredible things have happened to you. We're not bound by the past. And when we think about ourselves and the hurt that we, we not only damage ourselves when we sin. That's a lie from the enemy. It's just a small thing. Just this one time we damage ourselves. And as we saw from Abraham and Isaac, they also damaged their wives. They damaged the people closest to them. But not only that, your sin, your choices affects everyone. In all three stories, when the Pharaoh and the king spoke to Abraham or Isaac, look what it said. Look at each verse. It says this in Genesis 12 what is this you have done to me? The second time, what have you done to us? The third time, what is this you have done to us? Every single time they realized they felt the damage of those patterns in their life. As Christians, we have to know we have an obligation. We have a responsibility. It's not just my life for me or my own, it's for everyone. What we do affects the world. And that's how it's been since the beginning of time. Before even this story in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3.13, when Adam and Eve sinned, this is what it said, the Lord said to the woman, he said, what is this that you have done? The pattern, there's been damage. But just like with anything, it can be saved, it can be healed, it can be mended by the power of God. Would you stand to your feet as we close today? I wanna to take a minute, we, we've had extra time, we put margin in this, in this service to give you time. If you need prayer, maybe you've been feeling, you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit, there's been a pattern in your life, you're struggling to get past it, there's been a barricade, there's been a block, and you need prayer. I'm going to ask the prayer team, would you come forward and be prepared to pray with people during this last time here? If you want to get before God and and take responsibility and you say, I don't want any more excuses in my life. I I want to get rid of the selfishness that has been ensnaring me. I know there's generational hurt from my past and I want to be delivered from that and sanctified. Or maybe you're here you're and you say, I, I don't have that past hurt. I, I'm, I'm not there. But I want to make sure I'm living right because I want to create a new legacy so the generations that come after me are filled with the Holy Spirit and power and living right. Wherever you're at in this, in this time, I want to pray for you. I want our team to pray for you. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. Let me pray for you and then i'll give you the opportunity to pray with those here at the front god we thank you for this time we thank you that you are a loving and merciful god you don't come to condemn us or to shame us for the things we've gone through you come to convict us and help us to live right through your power i pray for those that are, are dealing with these patterns of selfishness dealing with these patterns of judgment and hurt i pray for their deliverance here this morning as we worship you, as we pray together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.